Kids Know. This is Jonathan Keller. Good morning to everybody. Um, and then again, if you are listening to this on podcast, to quote Jim Carrey in The Truman Show, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. There, there you go. Also, uh, good day to all of our uh, British subjects. I just want you all to know that uh, Her Royal Highness, the Duchess of Sussex, hath delivered herself of a child, a male child, whose name we don't know. But anyway, Prince Harry had a baby. Prince Harry and his wife had a baby. Meghan Markle. Yeah. Who said something really stupid about, oh, the baby will get to decide for itself what gender it's going to be. But Prince Harry announced it's a boy. So there you go. Good for Prince Harry. But I I know it's a pretty aggressive move by Prince Harry to assume the child's gender. You know. uh, But there you go. Way to go, Prince Harry. Establishing himself uh, this month as far and away the most likable of the the Windsor boys. Okay. So I I just have to say, John, um, I'm I'm just realizing now. Can you imagine the number of medieval wars that would have been averted and perhaps even the splinter branch of Christianity that is the Anglican Church, the Church of England, yeah. that could have perhaps been avoided if, you know, old Henry VIII and many other Tudors and Windsors yes, and other people indeed. could just assume the gender of their female children to oh, be, geez. oh, hey, Catherine you know of Aragon would have never, you know, would have never gotten the, the old axe Come along on. with several other... Um, Along with several other unfortunate ladies. We, but yeah, there you go. We talk about how much more complicated things are under this new, you know, transgender totalitarianism. But imagine just if... <laughs> would have sat, would have simplified a lot of things. Yeah. There you go. Man. No, there you go. If only, you know, the royals... If only. If, the, if, all, if they had only realized that all they actually had to do was just change the meaning of words into something that does not conform to biology and has no historical basis in fact you know life would have been so much simpler yeah there you go all right well so i will say i will say john i'm i'm a little bit of an anglophile not nearly as much as some of my friends uh but it is uh i mean congratulations anytime there are new babies in the world prince harry congratulations prince harry congratulations to mrs markle mrs prince harry mrs prince harry mrs windsor i don't know whatever yeah i don't know how she goes by Anyway, I know I, she's kind of a ditz and was saying a bunch of nonsense while she was pregnant about the, the baby, that they would let the baby decide its own gender for itself or some such nonsense. But I'm hoping that uh, that Her Majesty will step in before any nonsense like that happens. It says, he will be dressed in boy's clothing. We will not be... <laughs> None of this nonsense. No, here's a boy. Here's uh, a corgi told. Y- you know, I... I, I will say this. Uh, in we are not pleased. <laughs> in in defense or in uh, respect to the royals, one one thing, John, it's probably a little bit awkward for us as two males to be talking about this on the show. But I, but I will say, I know our wives uh, have both of our wives have had maybe not the most easy pregnancies in each case. Uh, I mean, you never want to say Holly had an easy time, but. Yeah, Holly was okay. <laughs> yeah, Holly didn't have it as rough as Julia. Did. Julia's Julia's pregnancy extended um, well into the fourth trimester. Yes, um, she was thirteen. Hudson was thirteen days late. I should I should be careful because I know she is listening at home with Hudson. Hi Hudson. Hi buddy. Okay, there you go. Uh, I should not say that my wife was late because my wife is never late. My wife is always punctual hmm. and oh. on time. Wow, that's that's um, very interesting. Inf- information to v- learn about you, Jonathan. Very interesting. My wife is always on time, but my um, 
my son Hudson, at least when he was first born, uh, took over for, uh, or he, he took a cue from me and he was 13 days late in his arrival. Ah, there you go. 13, <laughs> 13 days late. 13 days late. Well, you know, for this radio broadcast, you were a whole 30 seconds early. That's so, true. You know, so, That's true. You know, you're, you're improving. That's right. So the the thing I was going to say about uh, the Duchess of Windsor, Kate Middleton, the thing that I thought was a, a positive sign was that she she had a very difficult first pregnancy and not just I think in, she had difficult all three of them. She did. She has that hyperemesis gravidarum. gravidarum. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And I did a little bit of research about this and I was reading stories about it when she was first giving birth and, and I was thinking, wow, this is a, this is a really serious thing. And in a lot of cases, after you have had it once, the doctors will recommend very often, man, this is, this is very serious. And because you basically, your morning sickness is so severe that you really can't eat almost anything. Yeah. And you have to get, uh, you know, IV fluids sometimes and you're puking your guts out the whole time. Well, and I mean, there's literally a risk that not only could the baby be malnourished and have difficulties, but there's also the risk that the, the mom could begin to suffer, uh, bone damage. I mean, you could get, uh, some of the things I read were almost like early onset osteoporosis where the baby begins to leach calcium and other minerals from the mom's b- bones and body. Uh, so it's a very serious thing. And very often women who have extreme hyperemesis gravidarium can uh, be told by their doctors, either a don't get pregnant again. If you have mm-hmm. one child, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. going to have this again. A, don't get pregnant again, or B, if you get pregnant, have an abortion. Yeah. And I, obviously, I realize not everybody has access to the medical care and great facilities and uh, help that mm-hmm. the Duchess of Cambridge does. But I just thought, John, as a, as a small, minor pro-life mm-hmm. girl, you know, it, it is impressive to see uh, women that are are willing to put up with so much to bring children into the world. Well, the Duchess, uh, Duchess K. Uh, Catherine is certainly putting up with quite a bit uh, nowadays if reports are to be believed about Prince William's uh, sowing of wild oats. But anyway, oh, Jonathan. Dear. Yeah, I, I anyway. totally missed that. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, anyway. That's, that's, that's why I was mentioning Prince Harry is sort of establishing himself as the most uh, likable of the Windsor boys. There's well, some bad news. Anyway. We, uh, that is for anyway, our, our the description podcast. The description of this segment. <laughs> Was about in vitro fertilization in the state of California. We will get so back Jonathan, to Jonathan. Why don't we talk about that? We did candy talk a couple weeks ago, so we will get back to royal talk um, on a future episode. But uh, John, I had sent you a link last week about a new bill in the state of California. Yes, that a new piece of legislation had kind of flown under the radar. Um, it passed the first assembly committee that we saw by a vote of eleven to two. That is not good. Uh, four of the, or I'm sorry, uh, two of the Republicans who were on the committee who did not vote at all. And it was a, it's essentially a bill that would mandate in vitro for fertilization. Coverage. Yes. And, and I should clarify, yes. It would not require, it would not actually require women to undergo in vitro fertilization, but it would mandate that all the pregnancy all, all the plans that cover health insurance in the state of California cover oh. in vitro fertilization. It, yeah. It's similar, it sounds like, to what happened in 2015 or 2014 when the state of California demanded that all insurance plans cover abortion. Right. So, so, so let's let's clarify that this is this would be requiring every insurance plan in the state, including employer-based insurance plans 
from religious employers, which have deep, long-standing moral objections to in vitro fertilization. It would require those insurance plans to cover in vitro fertilization. Um, that's really, really bad uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, in vitro fertilization, for one, has significant moral problems that various um, uh, that various different religious groups object to. The Catholics very prominently object to it. There are more and more evangelicals who are objecting to it in no small part because it results in the creation of a whole bunch of more embryos than you can reasonably implant and... Um, then you can actually implant and who actually survives. So you're either creating embryos to be frozen in stasis or you're creating embryos uh, who are just going to die. But also you're basically taking the process of creation of life outside of the context of marital love. And there's something very technocratic and I think immoral that it's you're, it's very counter-natural in the sort of natural law sense of that term. So uh, that's really bad. And to not even provide a religious exemption for employers who either secular, uh, either non-religious employers who, which are owned and operated by people who are faith-based, like for example, Right to Life of Central California, or for explicitly religious employers, none of them get any exemption and all of them would have to cover in vitro if this piece of legislation passes, AB 767. So I want to read this to you, John, the opening couple paragraphs here because this is really important. This okay. is uh, AB 767 as amended. Existing law, the Knox-Keene Healthcare Service Plan Act of 1975 or the Knox-Keene Act provides for the licensure and regulation of health care service plans by the Department of Managed Healthcare and makes a willful violation of its provisions a crime. Existing law provides that the regulation of health insurers by the Department of Insurance, uh, uh, existing law imposes various requirements and restrictions on health care plans and health insurers, including, among other things, a requirement that every group health care service plan contract or health insurance policy that is issued, amended, or renewed after January 1st, 1990 offers for the coverage, offers coverage for the treatment of infertility except in vitro fertilization under those terms and conditions as may be agreed upon by the group subscriber or the group policyholder and the blah, blah 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 so right now it does not require right. coverage of in vitro it requires treatment for infertility which makes sense john because infertility in many cases as we each know given mm -hmm. the the benefits that our wives have each experienced from napro technology mm -hmm. uh natural procreative technology and the amazing dr amy holmes here in the fresno area um, infertility is often a treatable medical condition. Not always. I mean, we, I think we both have friends that have experienced chronic uh, and near permanent infertility, and they have, they have not been able to get pregnant despite different avenues and different attempts. Right. And uh, it, is, it is not to say that uh, it is, infertility is always curable, but in many cases there is a physical, medical, treatable component. Right. And oftentimes... Health insurance plans, part of what they're supposed to do is to cover problems. They're supposed to cover actual treatable medical conditions mm -hmm. and not just elective voluntary procedures that are right. not necessary for the 
proper health and functioning right. of an individual. Right, because that's the thing with, with in vitro, that it's not a healthcare procedure in the sense that it is correcting an underlying problem. Right. It is an external tinkering using certain materials from the body, but uh, within the context of something that's quasi-medical. But it's really more a kind of science lab in which we're creating new human beings outside of the natural processes, literally in glass, in vitro. So it's different from normal healthcare that's actually fixing underlying infertility problems. This is a deep philosophical issue, but I think it's very important that listeners understand what is at stake. So we will continue talking about AB 767 when we get back on Life, Family, Liberty. start to the week a happy monday to all of our listeners and viewers especially to john i i'm going to do my prerogative since i my wife and i were out of town just for one night over the weekend for our anniversary so we were away from hey Hud- happy anniversary we were away from hudson so i'm going to just say hi hudson again and we'll hi, see hudson. since you get to say the uh for the girardi girls listening www.californiafamily.org if you want to learn more about whatever it is that's going on that's bad in the state of California or <laughs> www.rtlcc.org if you want to learn more about Right to Life Essential California. So and, there you go. And the good things they're doing. A lot of times, I, I will say, I feel like far too often uh, our job at California Family Council, I actually, John, I don't know if I told you this, but it was uh, I was at a Southern Baptist State Convention one time and one of the pastors who was one of the executives in the in the board, the state board, uh, came up and he saw me as I was getting ready to go up and speak on stage and give a report. And he goes, Oh, Hey, it's the bad news guy. <laughs> Jonathan storm crow. That's right. As a, it was pretty much yeah, it. There you go. Yeah. It was uh yeah, not, well, you know, we're the bearers of news and often in California, that just often means bad news. Now I, I will say this, John, just if I can tie it together and, and give a plug to right to life of central California and tie it back to our story that we are talking about. Um, there are some positive things that are happening in the state of California and especially in the Central Valley um, with the with the coming, the pending arrival of the Obria Medical Group. Yes. Um, so. Part of the reason why I think that is so good is because it is directly in contradiction to the mandates of this bill. Rather than going to Sacramento and mandating that insurance companies pay for a procedure in vitro fertilization that as you said in the previous segment, does not directly treat any underlying condition or any specific disease. No, it's just, yeah, it's just overlooking all of those underlying whatever conditions there are that are leading to infertility and just doing a whole workaround around the entire system of natural human bringing forth of life uh, and playing God with and tinkering with humanity and creating new human beings in a petri dish and assessing which are the uh, <laughs> doing your own little survival of the fittest assessment and determining which are the fittest embryos which are thus more most deserving of implantation or maybe in the case of for example kim kardashian and kanye west did this uh sex, uh, sex selectively picking out a boy 
because Kanye West, because Kanye and Kim already had a girl, so they decided Kanye West declared that he wanted an heir. Um, that was his. That was their quote. Was Speaking Kanye? Of Kanye the wants King of England. An, Kanye wants an heir. Said Kim, uh, overlooking the whole. You know, for one thing, women can inherit property. Uh, we are not in the same situation. Just highly, we highly, um, just. Uh, sexist and it's incredibly sick and and sexist in a very practical tangible way insofar as uh girl embryos are being created and now either held in stasis or destroyed uh in favor of a boy so uh that is uh sexism at its absolutely most extreme where you're definitively where you're artificially creating new human lives and killing all the girl ones in favor of the boy ones. So I, I want to continue reading from this actual passage because I think, John, the... From uh, AB 767, from AB the legislation that would require every insurance plan in the state of California to cover in vitro fertilization with no exemptions for conscience or religion. And this was introduced by Assemblymember Wicks. And, John, would it surprise you that the principal co-authors are Assemblymembers Burke and Lowe? Okay. Autumn Burke, who was the principal co-author on... I believe her name is pronounced Autumn Burke. Yes. Yeah. Uh, of uh, principal co-author of AB 775, the bill attacking pregnancy care centers, and Assemblyman Evan Lowe. Autumn Burke, who, who famously said after AB 775, which is the bill that would require all the pro-life pregnancy resource clinics to advertise on the walls of their clinic where women could go to get a, a California paid-for abortion, uh, Autumn Burke stated... When the California, when the U, United States Supreme Court struck down her law as being unconstitutional, an unconstitutional infringement on the First Amendment rights of those pregnancy care centers, Autumn Burke came out with the incredibly stupid statement of, well, the Supreme Court just shot one over our bow. We're going to shoot three back. And I, which makes no sense. Um, <laughs> you're a state legislator in California. They're the United States Supreme Court, so I'm not sure what your plan is. If you then try to pass another piece of legislation doing the same thing, or three, according to her yep. logic, yep. Uh, they'll just get, now there's a Supreme Court decision directly on point, and you'll just get your law overturned immediately. So what what are you, why are, why are you, why are you this way? <laughs> To what quote are you, what Michael are you Scott, why are you the way that you why are? are you the way that I you are? I hate so much about the things you choose to be. Yeah. Yes. One yes. of the greatest lines in all of television. You don't see a lot of girls named Autumn these days. No, no. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's just a random observation that yeah. I just Summer, thought I'd throw in there. Either, I mean, Summer. You know, seasons specific names are, are less... Common. Yeah, less common. There you go. Um, All right, moving right along moving, after that Moving one. along. Okay. Bringing the show to a screeching halt. So this, this John Law has been in effect since 1975. Um, and then, Which law? Uh, the, the previous law, the Knox Keene Health Care Service Plan. Act. Okay, and this is a law that required some kind of infertility treatment yes. to be part of every insurance plan sold and, in the state and, of California. But, but now it's being amended. Well, this is why it's... Proposed to be amended to include in vitro. But this is why it's so significant. They explicitly exclude in vitro fertilization. They said some sort of treatment for infertility, which I don't think, generally speaking, you or I would have any moral objections to. Not too many. I mean, infertility in many cases, there can be there can be some things that can be more ethically problematic. But often speaking, you 
you're, I mean, I'm airing all the dirty laundry or just, you know, opening the kimono, however you want to use the phrase. <laughs> Ew, uh, gross. And that's a common phrase. You've is it? Oh, it's super. Oh, it's that's super, nasty. <laughs> that is a super common phrase uh, in political parlance. Is it? It is. It is. You should Google it. But I, I, I'm maybe certainly not. <laughs> not Googling the words open the kimono. So the uh, anyway, so anyway, yes, infertility treatment is a thing. It's a it's a thing. This is in in this vitro is fertilization is not treating any underlying health right. problems. It shouldn't be covered under health insurance. So this this is the thing that I think is important. They specifically say it covers infertility, but not in vitro. But then I want to read you this last line here, John. It says existing law provides that any employer that is a religious organization or healthcare service plans and health insurers that are a subsidiary of an entity whose owner or corporate member is a religious organization, <clears throat> AKA Catholic hospitals, right? Those organizations, religious organizations or plans shall not be required to offer coverage for forms of treatment of infertility in a manner inconsistent with the religious organization's religious, uh, religious and ethical principles as specified. Now that's the old law. That's the old law. And I, I want to read that specifically because I want you to understand that up until right now, the state of California has actually explicitly in statute protected and exempted religious organizations. They have said, we recognize that there is a large network of Catholic healthcare services, Adventist healthcare services, Methodist healthcare services, lots of religious-based plans and organizations in the state of California, and we do not want to violate their First Amendment rights, so we will exempt them until now. And now we don't really care. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to read you the updated law of AB 767 when we come back on Life, Family, Liberty. Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller. Happy to be with you on this fine Monday. Happy to be with you on both the radio, the podcast station that you are listening to or podcast player you're listening to, but also in addition to those two audio mediums, video. Hey, we're on Facebook Live. Just go to look for facebook.com slash California family. You can watch us. As we're talking to you. You will see more information about us at our website, CaliforniaFamily.org. You can find out more about John and Right to Life Central California at RTLCC.org. Yes, indeedy. So, John, we were talking in the last segment about AB 767. We were talking about the fact that I want to read this again so that people have it in context. And I'm going to be sharing this with our legal eagle friends at Alliance Defending Freedom and some of these other good religious liberty law firms around the country i can give it my amateur legal analysis first this and i on that's, this very radio that's show. why i'm happy you're here you um go. this is what again this is this is from the legislative council's digest it says at the beginning of the bill it says existing law provides that any employer that is a religious organization or healthcare service plans and health insurers that are a subsidiary of an entity whose owner or corporate member is a religious organization shall not be required to offer coverage for forms of treatment of infertility in a manner inconsistent with the religious organization's religious and ethical principles as specified. So again, if you're a Catholic church or a Catholic hospital, or if you are a Christian-based organization and you don't want to pay for 
in vitro fertilization mm-hmm. or other types of it doesn't only say here by the way john it doesn't it doesn't even just say in vitro because in vitro is already excluded by the first part of this this is saying right. further if there are other forms of infertility treatment something like intrauterine insemination yes or uh, other types of things surrogacy for mm-hmm. example right, right. Th- things that are outside the religious and ethical principles of the organization they are exempt this is the new portion of the law. It says this bill would instead require every large group healthcare plan that uh, healthcare service plan contract, applicable HMO contracts, or large group disability insurance plans that cover hospital, medical, surgical expenses issued or amended after January 2020 to provide coverage for the treatment of infertility, including a maximum of three cycles of in vitro fertilization and mature oocyte cryopreservation to a lifetime maximum benefit of $75,000 paid at contracted rates per enrollee or insured as applicable. So, John, I want to tell you, this is this is a the so moderate freezing eggs. By yes. The way. Yes. You got, so you got to pay for putting your eggs on ice and at least three rounds of yes. fertilization. And this is actually the moderating bill, John, because before this was amended, the, the blue language here, originally it just said provide coverage for in vitro fertilization. Um, now it's now it's specified. It's getting more and more specific right. as it's and going it's, through the committee process. It's limiting it to only, quote unquote, three cycles and only feels like a lot, quote unquote, a lifetime maximum benefit of 75 grand. And then here's the key line, John, that I think is really... That's the insurance companies coming in to kind of try to regulate the cost. We have no souls, and we have no ethical principles whatsoever, and we don't actually care about any of the ethical things involved here, because we're lobbyists. So really, all we care about is making people happy. So 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 why don't we limit this, because money is the only thing that we care about. We wake up on a bed of money. We go to sleep in the same bed of money. We have absolutely no souls, and when we look into a mirror, it's like staring into the void. So that's um, that is that's your my lobbyist impression. Lobbyist impression. Uh, you're sounding almost populist there, John. That's that's impressive. Huh? I know, I know. Your that's, mom would be proud me. of you. You're, yeah, you're, there you go. Your populist making, leanings, making California great again. Um, so here's the here's the key point, though, that I think is maybe even more shocking than the line requiring instead in vitro fertilization in general. I I would not like that. I think that's bad. I don't think that the state of California should be requiring a non-medically necessary service. It really, can we, I I realize that people affix the term medical to lots of things that are not genuinely medical, but we could have a discussion whether this is actually medical at all. Yep. You're not actually correcting medicine, I think, sort of inherent in its definition is the idea that you are fixing something that is wrong with the human body. Right. This is not fixing anything that's wrong with the human body. It's, it, you're, you have someone who is infertile and you're not fixing any of those problems. You're just taking their semen and taking an egg and taking them out of that person's body and then just combining them to... I mean, you're you're in a sense... You're you're circumventing a problem. You're not yes. really fixing a problem. So really, to to have this be called medicine at all, really, it's sort of the same argument of you know, there's of calling abortion a medical procedure. Right. Again, it it has nothing to do with fixing an underlying health problem. 
it's a totally elective sort of social problem, if you will, if you're going to just call a baby a problem. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a totally, it's sort of medical adjacent because you're using medical tools and it yes. involves the body and there are medical, medical side technology. effects that can come about. But An it isn't, strictly speaking, medical. You're not fixing a problem. An elective surgical procedure involving medical technology. Yes, and medical personnel and apparently insurance companies. So we could argue just based on this first lengthy paragraph here but this is where i think the rubber really meets the road john it says further this bill would delete the exemption for religiously affiliated employers health care service plans and insurance policies from the requirements relating to the treatment for to coverage for the treatment of infertility thereby imposing these requirements on the employers plans and policies that provide coverage for large groups this bill would also delete the requirement that a health care service plan contract or health insurance policy provide infertility treatment under agreed upon terms that are communicated to all group contract holders and prospective group contract holders. Um, this bill would specifically exclude Medi-Cal coverage from these provisions. Surprise, surprise. We'll make private insurers do it, but the state coverage, we will not actually require that they do it. By expanding the duties of health care service plans, this bill would expand the scope of an existing crime, thereby imposing a state-mandated local program. So, John, just to remember, if you in the first paragraph we read in the first segment, it specifically says that willful violation of these provisions is a crime. So by amending the right. law from 1975, it would actually make it not just, oh, you know, you there's might. A, there's a slight penalty you yes. have to pay in addition it, or whatever. It would specifically make a religious hospital like St. Agnes Medical Center here yes. in Central California. It would make or it. Or a religious school or a yes. religious college. I think yeah. it's colleges. Fresno Pacific University, hospitals. for example. Yeah, I, I think it's colleges and hospitals, what they yeah. really get after. Because those are some of the biggest religious employers that are not themselves churches and that's really what they want to go after that's right. really what Planned Parenthood and all these people have problems at, with at least initially but I mean John need I remind you but it's going to apply to everybody need I remind you that because this applies to plans uh, this would essentially mean you're setting yourself up for the same thing that happened in 2014 with the Department of Managed Healthcare which would be that if a organization in the state of California, if a church in the state of California cannot purchase any plan that does not cover abortion, or if they cannot purchase any plan that does not cover in vitro, do they actually even have a choice? Right. They, they really do not. So that is why I think this bill is so egregious and so uh, blatant in what it's trying to do. We will discuss a little bit more about this and what some of the constitutional options might be when we come back on Life, Family, Liberty. Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. I am your host, Jonathan Keller. Thanks for joining us today. Apologies for some of the Facebook live glitches, but hopefully you are watching us live now. If not, if you miss any portion of the show, because just get the podcast, yeah, dude. Come on, it's it's available. You can get the podcast. Just search for Life, Family, Liberty on your favorite podcast app. You can find it on Apple Podcasts. We encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also do the same on Stitcher. You can do the same with my personal favorite podcast app of choice, which is overcast 
Uh, fantastic app on the okay. Apple iPhone. Are they are they paying us for this endorsement? No. Otherwise, I don't want to talk about. No, them it's at just all. it's just my personal favorite. So I just want to blur out their image from. You know, this, it's why I always have a whenever I have a can of Coke, I just you know cover that up. You cover it with know. a little sleeve, so no yeah. one knows what it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Except you just name checked. You didn't say a can of. I actually cola. never drink. I actually never drink Coke. So. Yeah, there you go. An anti-endorsement. There you go. Um, John, during the break, I was talking about the fact that this bill, one of the things that it does is... This is, again, AB 767, the it, bill that mandates in, in coverage of in, in vitro, vitro fertilization in every insurance plan sold in the state of California. Up to three cycles, up to $75,000, including cryopreservation of mature oocytes. I was mentioning that because of some of the different parts of the, this bill and the way they work with other bills that have passed recently... It is, it is like the Democrats are assembling the infinity gauntlet of bad anti-life health care policy. There you go. And I, any chance I can to make an Avengers reference, a Marvel Cinematic Universe reference, it's, it's my favorite thing to do. Just kill me now. But John is not as big of a fan of Avengers as I am. But John, here's the area where I think you'll be, you'll be very excited. Oh, oh, over, I'm sure I'm going to be very excited. Over the weekend, uh, Avengers Endgame. This weekend. This weekend. Uh, over the weekend, Avengers Endgame topped the two billion dollar mark globally, wow, which so is amazing. Glad. But but here's the here's the good news, John. Here's the good news. Guess guess which th- film it dethroned for the, By the number way, two let, all time. Let me just time. let me just know that Avengers made two billion. Um, isn't it sh- such a shame that they're gonna spend several million dollars to rebuild Notre Dame Cathedral? Oh, That's think right. of all that money that could have gone to feed the poor. Anyway, continue. Else. Continue nope. talking about the $2 billion the that two, Disney made the, with a superhero movie. The $2 billion it made with a superhero movie. Um, the, the good news is that it will dethrone. Guess what the number two movie was previously? I don't know. What was the number two movie? Star Wars? I'm king of the world. Titanic. Titanic oh, was the number two movie. Titanic. So, right. so it has dethroned the James Cameron highly overrated. Is this inflation adjusted? Or uh, it's not inflation adjusted. Then but it it's, doesn't actually really matter. Uh, it's, it still matters. It's more. I, well, but but it, here's here's it, the other bit of good news, John. This is the grumble grumble. Guess what? Guess what movie sits currently at the number one all-time box office? I don't know. Also from James Cameron, the only movie from his catalog that is arguably worse than Titanic. Avatar? Avatar. Avatar is the number one. 2009 was this incredible year of people getting really enthusiastic about things that were demonstrably not that great. From Barack Obama (laughs) to the Avatar movie, which everyone knew as they were watching Avatar. This is not a good movie. Why am I seeing it? Why did I pay money to see this movie? 3D glasses in a movie. 3D movies stink and are terrible. Why did I just spend $2 more to see this? Uh, Lady Gaga's first album, which was terrible. Lady Gaga's first album was terrible. I'm going to say it. I don't care who, you know, come at me, bro. Lady Gaga's first album was terrible. It was a bunch of annoying, repetitive songs. She's good at singing. I know everyone. It's mandatory. Anytime you mention Lady Gaga, you have to say, I know she's so amazing. She's just incredible, Lady Gaga. No, her first album sucked. Yes. And everyone acted like it was the greatest thing. Uh, yeah, uh, and now Jonathan's pulling up the I, wiki page for Avatar, and, and, which involved basically Avatar, no, aka Fern Gully Two. Yes, uh, the search for more money. And, and the thing that was so horrible about that, John, is I, let me let me clarify it. I like James Cameron's take on the post-apocalyptic dystopian future where we are fighting the machines, Terminator and Terminator Two. Those are two I mean, of my all-time favorite movies. If you if you're a man. And you don't shed a single manly tear at the end of Terminator 2. 
then I don't know. Thumbs I don't up. know what to tell you. Thumbs up, everybody. I don't, I, I, you know. Oh yes, I remember. I, I remember watching the edited version on my little tiny TV w- that we taped off of, taped off of broadcast television, and still getting choked up watching Arnold Schwarzenegger's <laughs> T eight hundred go into the, the molten lava. This is Spoiler not a quote warning from Terminator, but who is your daddy and what does he do? That's right. I just wanted to ask that. <laughs> but on the flip side, in in this in movie, in in Avatar, literally the the MacGuffin, the item that they are mining the thing that uh, the, the the mineral that the entire movie re- revolves around did they come up with a cool name for it called unobtainium it's literally called unobtainium gosh that's so stupid and that movie john made 2.7 billion dollars why did anyone see it we everyone knew going in it was going to be terrible and everyone just kept saying oh well the visuals are stunning it's like it's not that stunning anymore. Everyone's so, got computers. So this is so this is why I am I am grateful that Jerky James Cameron has finally been dethroned from his number two spot, and I am hoping, hoping and hoping, and doing my part. I saw the movie on opening night, and then my wife and I wow, saw it wow. on you're, Saturday you're really, night. You're really you're really doing it's humanitarian. I'm doing my part. You're really doing humanitarian work. <laughs> to God, to, God bless you, Jonathan <laughs> Keller, for for taking you know, one for the team and you know, seeing this movie that 800 I, gazillion we, people. Are, we so. we do we do what we can. You know, oh, uh, it's it's in our own small way. We're making a difference. And Brother Teresa over here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, my wife and I saw it, and I am grateful that it is now closing in rapidly. A lot of people are saying that it would be it would be shocking if it does not beat Avatar and become the number one highest grossing movie. Many of all people, time. many people say it's even better than Avatar. Many yes, people, many I people know, say it's even better than Avatar. And now, John, I'll give you because I know you all come to listen to the show not only for our incisive healthcare policy and Honest, religious liberty education. Honestly, us talking about anything else is pretty entertaining for people. Uh, John, I'll, I'll tell you. Do you know what? If you want to look at the top two movies all time, inflation adjusted. Do you know what the number two movie all time inflation I, I, adjusted? I do not know. It is 1977's rousing space sci-fi adventure. 2001? No, no, no. 1977. Oh, Star Wars. Star Wars. Oh, okay. that's that's number two. Well, that makes sense. What, what's number one inflation adjusted? You you will be maybe even more shocked than the fact that Avatar was number one non-inflation adjusted, but the the number one inflation adjusted movie is. 1939's Gone with the Wind. Oh, well, that makes sense. You do have to consider it. That is more yeah, excusable because if, if well, it's, it's actually well, for one thing, epic. For one thing, it's actually a good movie. Yes, yes. And unlike, at, unlike at, every other movie we've been talking the about. The golden age of cinema. There you go. I don't know. I, I, I could I could think that Avengers Endgame might give Gone for a Wind. Oh, yeah. For the, well, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure five years from now we'll all agree. I'm sure. I'm sure. Okay, so let's get back to... I, Frankly, I, my dear, I don't uh, give a damn. <laughs> perfect. There perfect. we go. Perfect capstone. Perfect analysis. For our so, Avengers talk. Okay. So, so, John, here's the thing I wanted to point out. The reason I made the the joke about the, the infinity gauntlet of bad healthcare policy is that this would require, as we've said, that in vitro fertilization be included in infertility treatments. But then a little bit later down in the actual section of the bill... Um, section one, it says it is shall be amended. Section one three seven four point five five of the Health and Safety Code is amended to read subsection C. It says consistent with section one three six five point five, coverage for the treatment of infertility shall be provided without discrimination, which 
usually is a bad sign when a sentence starts that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without discrimination on the basis of age, ancestry, color, disability, domestic partner status, gender, gender expression, gender identity, genetic information, See, the marital problem, status, the problem national isn't, origin, race, the, religion, sex, the, sexual orientation. The problem isn't the fact that it says that it prohibits discrimination. It's the list of things that are inserted as right. uh, being protected from discrimination. Which usually includes totally legitimate things like race or, in most cases, sex and, you know, things like that. But it also then throws in the SOGI, sexual orientation, gender identity, but, gender but expression. But, John, let me, let me just set that aside for a second. Shall be dis- provided without discrimination on the basis of age. So, hold on. <laughs> if so, 80-year-olds year old, are getting in vitro coverage? I, I'm just saying... It specifically excludes the ability to deny coverage on the basis of age. Well, that's great. Glad <laughs> all of our health insurance premiums are going to go up as a result of this. I, I, I mean, the the level... Because they want 80-year-olds to be paying... Well, maybe not 80-year-olds, but they want working, let's say, 60-year-olds who are paying into insurance. They're paying... I mean, insurance companies make money off of covering things by a bunch of people paying in and not using a service. So all of the people who are either not married, not having kids, not having kids via in vitro, or too old to have kids, they'll pay into it to pay for every to, for the relatively small chunk of people who want to make use of in vitro. So, John, the according to uh, CBS News, an article... The oldest woman to give birth? Yes. A right. woman in her 70s, maybe the oldest ever to give birth. Well, she did so via in vitro, I'm sure, right? Uh, it it does not say specifically. It says that... With her 79-year-old husband... She underwent two years of IVF uh, treatment and had two failed attempts. So guess what, John? Wow. So at least... Three attempts. So there you go. Oh, okay. Well, that's definitely some, a worthy cause for uh, forcing all of California to, to pay for. She is 70. Having her some, husband is 79. Having some obviously insane 70-year-old woman... Have a child via in vitro fertilization. Well, there you go. She definitely doesn't look crazy. No, no. And I, John, I mean, this is just an example of the lunacy of the state of California. Um, I Yet another. I, I, I feel sincerely, I, I, I have sympathy and empathy for families that experience infertility. Mm. Uh, as my own family did. My wife and I had two miscarriages and then we had seven years of infertility, inability to conceive. We are very grateful every day for our amazing Dr. Holmes and for our little boy Hudson, who we love very much. But I also don't think that the state of California should mandate in in vitro. I totally agree. We will be back to talk about this and more next week on Life, Family, Liberty. Liberty.